Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I'm going to start today in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is where I'm going to be. And uh, as you're getting there, you can also use your phone if you'd like to get there. Uh, I want to share a story I became aware of at the beginning of January. But I need to give you some background. So in San Francisco, uh, towards the end of last year, San Francisco really had some harsh COVID restrictions that they were just lifting. And this one affluent neighborhood in San Francisco was becoming even more revitalized after COVID. So uh, it was an affluent neighborhood. So if you can picture like cafes and shops and even art shops, things began to thrive again. Life was coming back into the neighborhood. But also what was coming back into the neighborhood, which they had not experienced to the level that they're experiencing now, is homelessness. And what they were noticing, specifically one art shop in this affluent neighborhood, they were noticing that the homeless would come and they would actually block the entrance to the shop. Now that's a problem, right? That's a challenge. And so this art shop owner attempted to help this woman who was uh, mentally handicapped on a number of occasions. How do I get her into a shelter? How can I help her? Many times she refused. Sometimes she would go into a shelter for one day and then a couple of days later she would show back up. It was becoming such a challenge that she was showing back up that his response was, somebody has to do something. And so he called the police, not one time, but over the course of a couple of months, 25 times. Can we agree that that's a challenge? Now, I have empathy if you're a a police officer. There's not much you can do. Jailing her is not the answer. You can put her in the hospital, but that may not be the answer. And so there's just this tricky situation. And and this has gone on for months, and the art shop dealer's not sure what to do. He's sort of at the end of a rope. And so at the beginning of this year, as he's cleaning up the trash from this homeless woman, and, and he sprang down the sidewalk, He has a moment where he snaps and he does this. He's hosing her down. As he was doing this, he got videotaped. He was actually hosing her in the face. To which her response was, I will finally move. Can we agree that that's not okay? Now, I also want to agree that the situation is hard. Like this guy has really tried. He actually got arrested for doing this and charged with battery. You can take the picture away. Charged with battery and has since apologized. But it it can be sometimes hard to help people. Would you agree? Even in your own life, do you find it sometimes hard to help people? It can be complex situations. It can be relationally complex but sometimes it's just hard to help people. Even though, as I'm thinking about people, even in my own life, where it's challenging to help them, we're still called to help people in Scripture. I was reminded a week ago Saturday, I was in Chicago, enjoying a, uh, we went to the auto show, 
in uh, Chicago. I have three boys. They love going to the auto show. So we went to the auto show a week ago. We went out to dinner, and at dinner, uh, a homeless man came up to my wife and asked for money. And we had this, it was a rather short interaction, but uh, we said we don't have any, you know, whatever. And we went to dinner. About two hours later, we uh, got our car that was parked in a garage and paid $56. I didn't know it was going to be $56. $56. You all are thinking, where did you park, Huffman? $56 for parking in Chicago. But in that moment, as I ran my credit card in that thing, we had this realization of two hours earlier, we told a homeless man that we had nothing. It was a moment later that my wife and I were like, we can't do, like, I don't know what the solution, we could have taken them, we could have done something. But it was that moment of clarity. In scripture, 1 John 3, 17 commands us, it says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Even in challenging situations, we're called to help and to care for people. Some of you might have challenging family or neighbors. Maybe some co-workers. Proverbs 3.27 says this, Don't withhold good from those whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Don't say to a neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Even the challenging neighbor we're supposed to help and care for. Or with family. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially from their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. At the core, Scripture tells us that we need to care and help for people around us, even when it's challenging. And I would imagine most of us, actually I want to throw a question up. Most of us probably can think of someone do I find it hard to help someone specific? So I want you to think right now. Someone in your life or you interact with who you might find it hard to actually help them. Might be a, a, a group that's different from, from you. Maybe they've hurt you. Maybe they're a customer or a student. That's just hard. Or a family member who has... You've tried to help before, but they just are not taking your advice, and so you've sort of given up. Have you thought of somebody? Over here, I need to see some nods if you have. Yeah. As you're thinking about that person, I want to remind us we're in this series, and the series is called We Are Family. And this is the last message in the series and during the series, we've been trying to look at how God would call a family of believers how to do life differently. And, and I think it's important at the time that we live in to look at how can we care for, because the Bible is really clear, how do we care for and help people who sometimes it's challenging to help them? I'm going to unpack this thought uh, by using a, a text in the book of Philippians chapter 2. I need to give you a little background before I read it. Paul, who's writing this letter, is writing it to a church that he actually planted, and he created these deep relationships within this church. Like, he, he was deeply in friendship with them. 
And the church was going fine for a while, but there became a time when he started to hear that they were struggling relationally. Not necessarily outside of the church, but he realized he was starting to hear that they were fighting about things that was tearing the church apart. That was that he realized if they didn't fix this, they were not going to change the city that they were in. They were not going to grow. They were not going to thrive, and they would not revive what was going on. And he felt so passionate about this that he wrote this letter to them. And I think the letter is really relevant to us in our culture today. Philippians chapter 2, here's what Paul writes, but it's so relevant today. He says this to the church. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. There's some things in there that I'm learning that I think we could learn if we pick this apart this morning on how to help people, especially those who are challenging. So let me pray before I jump into what I'm learning. So Father, I thank you for who you are and for the clarity of your scripture. I pray, God, that as we thought about a person or a group of people that can be hard to help, that you would open our hearts and our minds to see what you see. So help us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I see. A caring family, you can write this in, takes an uncommon perspective. A caring family takes an uncommon perspective. Paul writes in verse 3, as you're writing that down, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing. Everybody say nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now we can probably think of our own self-definition of what those might mean, but I want to get us on the same playing field of what those two things actually mean. Here's selfish ambition is motivation out of our own good and well-being. This is an important part. Elevating ourselves and our own interests. The, 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 The word that's used in the actual Greek, there's this movement. It's like you're elevating yourself, your issues, the things that you want to accomplish over everything else. And then Paul goes, uh, don't do anything out of selfish ambition, but also vain conceit. And vain conceit is having a high sense of pride, an extreme level of self-esteem that has no foundation in reality, where you're lifting the things that you want or your issues to a point that it has no foundation in reality. Can you see that if we have those things, it's going to create some relational strain? It's going to be hard to help when we have those things. Arguably, the guy who sprayed the homeless woman struggled with those two things in a hard situation. And you might be thinking, because I thought the same thing, you know, it's, I don't think I'll ever get to the point of the art dealer. Or, I probably don't struggle too bad with selfish ambition or vain conceit. But I would argue it's easy for the human condition to get there. It's easy for me to get there. It was easy for the disciples to get there. They were hanging out with Jesus, and look what happens. 
They, the disciples, come to Capernaum. This is in Mark 9. When Jesus was in the house, he asked the disciples, what are you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because they had argued who was the greatest. Just imagine this. You're on a road with Jesus, with 11 of your buddies, and you begin to strike up this conversation about who's the man? Which one of us are going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's the man? You know who the man is? It's Jesus. Like you have elevated yourself. Somehow you put yourself on a pedestal and you've become blinded. And to see situations and people more clearly, I think we've got to start getting off of our pedestals because we're blinded. It's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was in heaven, came off of his pedestal to earth to see me, to see you. Philippians 2, just a little bit after the text I read this morning, it says this, Jesus being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus had every opportunity when he came to earth. He came off of his pedestal. He came to earth. He had every advantage. Equal with God, preached some incredible sermons, healed the sick, raised the dead, you name it, he was doing it. He had every advantage, but instead came to be a servant. And actually, he he takes a child after he starts hearing the disciples arguing who is the man. He, he, He takes a child and he says this, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He's essentially saying, you want to be great? Go low. You can write this in. Taking a lowly position gives me a better perspective. Taking a lowly position gives me a, it it just clears up what's going on. I, I even recognize now, like I'm, what, four feet above you. So if I say to all of you, I care for you, that's one thing. But if I do this, if I, if I come down, I'm like, hey, I'm Steve. Gabriel, hey, how are you doing? Good, how was your week? Yeah, not bad. See, this when I'm here, uh-oh, there's a pastor on the floor. I have a different perspective. I, I can relate to him. He had a pretty good week, right? I care for you. When I say that when I'm here or even here, That's way different than when I'm up above. And how many times in our week, in our normal daily lives, how many times are we on a pedestal? Let me give you two examples. 15 years ago, I wasn't working here at the church. I was working for a hospital, had a suit on, and I was going around to the homeless shelters of South Bend, Indiana, and I was arguing about the homeless in South Bend and how much money they were costing a hospital. I wasn't too far off from the art dealer. And by the grace of God, When he showed me, you will never solve this until you get low, and I sat and ate with the homeless of South Bend and learned to love them, that's when I saw there was opportunity. Got to get get low. Even Even with our kids, we have three boys. I wonder how many times I've approached them in their problems thinking I know the solution, I know everything, I've I've raised myself up. They're respectful kids, but how many times should I have gotten low? Did you know that 30 years ago, growing up as a kid is different than it is today? 
Like our kids are dealing with stuff we don't even have framework for it. And we would benefit, I would benefit if I got off my pedestal thinking I knew everything and sat with them and said, can you just explain, what are you going through? I care for you. We care for the baby. Does that make sense? Romans 12.3 says it this way. Do, you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Or what about this from Galatians? This comes from the New Living Translation. If you, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Some of us need to take a picture of that scripture. Such a great verse. The, the risk is if I put myself continually on a pedestal, if I do things out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, I may not see as clearly as God wants me to see, but eventually I will come off that pedestal. Look at this verse in Isaiah. Human pride will be humbled. Human arrogance will be brought down. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. I either deal with this stuff now and see what God wants me to see, or he's going to deal with it later through me. He's going to take me down. So I want you to ask yourself this question. I'm asking myself this question. Where do I think I'm too important? Is it your title? Is it your time? Is it your weekends? Because a caring family takes an uncommon perspective. They go lower. It's what Paul's asking the church to do. If you want to grow and thrive and do the things that God calls us to do, go low. Take an uncommon perspective. The other thing I see Paul writing the church is this. A caring family has an exceptional value of others. Has an exceptional value of others. Paul writes the church, he says, rather, in humility... Value others above yourself. Notice that. Don't miss it. Earlier, Paul's, Paul's writing, he's reminding us, go low. But now he's saying, not only go low, but value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. That's hard. It's not hard for you. You're the 950 crew. It's hard for me. So, so what does that look like practically? I thought of this uh, news story. I'm, I'm not a big soccer fan, but apparently this last year there was a big soccer thing. The, what is it? The World Cup? Is that right? Did I, did I do it right? Yeah, the World Cup. Bunch of countries play soccer. What I noticed, uh, I didn't watch a lot of soccer, but there's something that I noticed that was different. And it was about uh, Japan and their fans. Japan's not a soccer powerhouse, right? So they're not doing great, but uh, what I saw during a match with Japan and Costa Rica is they lost, but they quickly went to the fans, and the fans were doing this. The fans actually, after every match, whether they win or lose, clean the stadium. That's unique. Win or lose. They clean up other people's trash, food, drinks, whatever. They clean it up 
They tie it up and they hand it to the staff of the stadium who is smiling. Would you agree that that's different? They have lifted the interests of other people above theirs. Now I want you to contrast that account with something that happened here locally on February 2nd between two South Bend high schools who were playing basketball and during halftime, this happens. A fight abruptly ends the basketball game. Not with the players, but with the fans. I don't know, I wasn't there. I don't know what was going on, but that does not serve the students well. It doesn't serve the community well. And this is our backyard. We have to do better. What would it look like if we as Christians went to a basketball game and if our son or daughter was losing, it wouldn't matter, but we cleaned up the stands before we left? That's different. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, No one should seek their own good but the good of others. It's how Jesus lived. Arguably, it's why Jesus was here. God looks down at us and sees such a high value in us that he sent his son to help us. Matthew 20, 28, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served. He he lifted other people's interests above his own. He he fed 5,000 people. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He ate with tax collectors. There was this account. He knew he was going to, he knew he was going to die a painful death. And he has a dinner with his disciples. It says this in John 13. Jesus knew that the father, look at this. Look at this. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, after that poured water into a basin, and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus knew that everything was under his feet, yet in that moment, he gets low and he serves his disciples by washing their dirty, stinky feet. Even the disciple that would betray him, he knew who it was. Judas was there, and he calls him out, and he still washes his feet because he values them. You can write this down. We serve what we value. We serve what we value. Jesus values us. He served us. For me, I I value my wife a lot. So it's a joy to serve her, even if I'm tired. I I love my three boys. I will serve them, even if I'm hungry. I have a high value for God's church, and so I will serve it, even though sometimes it gets hard. We serve what we value. If if I think of uh, many years ago, when I had a high value for my paycheck in the marketplace, it was easy to serve my boss because I knew those things were directly related. 
We serve what we value. But for things we don't have a high value for, that's when we find it challenging to help and to serve. And I would argue the man who sprayed the homeless woman in the face got that backwards. In that moment of time and frustration, Fifteen years ago when I was arguing with the homeless shelters of South Bend, I got that backwards. And I would argue if we do not value someone, it is hard to help them. Let me change that. If we don't have a high value for someone, it's almost impossible to help them. So I want us to think back to this question, the one that we started with. Do I find it hard to help someone specific? Paul wrote the church in Philippi, the church that was the answer to what was going on in that town, the church that was growing at one point but seemingly was struggling. He said, you have to do a couple of things relationally different. So do I find it hard to help someone specific? And I want to finish our time today a little differently because we can't, I can't say value other people more. You can't manufacture value for others. But when we look at scripture, if we want to do this differently to the person or group of people that we want to, we, we should be helping, scripture would tell us to do three things. We're going to write these down and then we're going to move into a time of prayer. The three things are this, we have to pray. And that's what we're going to do here in just a second. We're going to pray to see other people who are challenging the way God sees them. You, you can't manufacture value. You have to ask God for help in that. The second is, I'm going to invite people before you leave today to actually come up and repent for valuing the person or the group of people lower than you should, or, uh, lower than you should have. Here's what repentance is. It's actually coming before God. I'm not going to do anything, but it's coming before God and saying, God, I'm sorry, and pausing for a minute before you rush into your day. That's the point of that. And then third one, which you wrote down, is action. Some of you need to actually do something today. I had to meet with the homeless of South Bend before my heart changed. And so some of you might have to meet again with somebody. And so that's how we're going to close our time today. I'm going to invite you to stand. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.